0: listening to The Moment, an interview podcast series on life. We interview and capture conversations with creative minds, thought leaders, disruptors, and the people that are doing what they love while challenging the status quo. You can find the show notes on our website, themomenthq.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. But for now, let's dive into the moment. listening to the Moment HQ podcast, episode number 56. I'm your host, Monica Cade. My guest today is Alexandra Franzen, and I'm so super pumped to talk to her because she's one of my favorite writers around. When her newsletters come into my inbox, I actually stop and read them uh, regardless of what I'm doing. So Alex has been a self-employed writer for eight years, and she's written several books, including two nonfiction books and two novels. She leads writing classes and retreats, and she's taught in 18 different cities around the world. She runs an online writing class, works one-on-one with clients to help them complete all kinds of exciting projects from books to podcasts to TED talks and beyond. But today we're going to talk about her newest book called You're Going to Survive and it's a book about how to deal with discouraging situations in your career and how to build more resilience and keep marching towards your goals. So let's find out more and welcome her now. Hi Alex, great to talk to you. Hi, thank you so
1: much. I'm so happy to be here. And I love your accent. It's so fun for my ears to listen
0: to. I love how you say H instead of H. Yeah, that's right. And probably Z instead of Z, right? Yeah, totally. So many differences. (laughs) It's funny. I, I lived in New York for a while, so it was fantastic. Like one of my favorite things was you know, when I made new friends and everything, I would say certain words and they would be like, what are you talking about? And, you know, cause yeah. we have different meanings for certain things. And it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, noticing the differences as well. Totally. I actually, um, I
1: visited Melbourne and, and Sydney before I've <laughs> taught there and I actually went to college for two years in New Zealand, in oh, Dunedin. Wow yeah and uh when I was in Dunedin it was funny because a lot of my my Kiwi friends would like want me to say things because they thought the way that I pronounced it was like funny and weird and different so they'd like point to things and be like what's
0: that what's that yeah exactly I <laughs> meant it's endearing it's endearing conversation between two different cultures it's funny yeah totally So I guess not every one of our listeners knows who you are. Can you just give us a little bit of background about yourself? How did you become a writer and what inspired you down the path of writing?
1: Yeah, well, I I was definitely one of those little kids who just always loved books and stories and anything related to to writing. Really, I uh, I was actually talking to my mom the other day, and she reminded me that when I was really little, at school, when all the other kids would go to play sports or you know go hang out together on the playground. I would go right to the library and just hang out with all the uh-huh. books. And my, my best friend was the librarian <laughs> at the school. That's nice. So, um, so yeah, for whatever reason, that's just always been part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And like many people, um, you know, I, I had a passion for this thing at a young age. It didn't really occur to me that I could make a living as a writer until I was quite a bit older. In fact, I, even though I, I did a little bit of freelance writing and you know, a few journalism projects here and there and whatnot in my early 20s, it wasn't really until I was maybe in my mid-20s that I thought to myself, you know what, you know, I, I really think this is my path and I, I want to make a real go of it and, and try to put together some kind of career mm-hmm. doing this full time. And that entailed making a pretty big leap, which was walking away from a pretty steady job, working in uh, for a radio company here in the mm-hmm. States, and just leaping out there and seeing if I could make something happen. What I told myself was, I'm going to give myself one year to try to find clients, try to get paid as a writer, try to make this work. And if at the end of that year, it's a total disaster, yeah. then I can always go get another job. That's mm-hmm. what I told myself. And that sort of gave me that little push of, of confidence to to try and make something happen. And that was about eight eight years ago. So I've been self-employed ever since. And in terms of of writing, like how I make money, it's a combination of things. I, I do a lot of work with companies. So companies will hire me to write website materials, marketing materials, sometimes to write or help to craft speeches and podcasts and Um, educational materials, classes, things like that. That's a lot of what I do. Mm -hmm. I also do some consulting work. I do some writing coaching. So I coach people through the process of, you know, putting a book together, for example, and I teach writing classes and retreats. And then I have my own body of work. So I've written a couple nonfiction books. I've written two novels. Uh, I've had short stories and poems published, things like that. And I I also do a lot of writing that's more of a personal nature, writing Mm -hmm. personal stories and articles for my website and for other websites and for my newsletter. So it's quite a few things all mixed together, but uh, somehow, for the most part,
0: uh, I I keep all the plates spinning and, and that's what my work looks like now that's amazing because there's so many people out there who love writing and especially people that are probably just like breaking into the industry and they think, Oh no, I can't make money as a writer. And they look at, you know, it's the only way if I want to write, I have to work for a company or for a publishing house or something like that. So it's really inspiring to see people like yourself doing that and making it work. And what I love about your website is how you really offer people the tools to show them how you've got there as well. So there's so many articles on your website. Like I'm sure you get so many questions about how do I start my business or how do I find writing jobs? And I know recently you sent out a little booklet with a friend of yours, you know, showing people how they can get paid articles and things like that. And, and it's very generous and like, it's amazing. I think it's very inspiring the work that you're doing through your own business.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. Throughout a lot of my early life, I I had that same idea that you, you know, you can't really make a living as a writer. It's not realistic. You need to have a day job, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just not true. Um, Especially today, I think with, you know, we, we have the internet, we have social media, people are doing podcasts, people, I mean, there's, there's almost an infinite number of ways that you can make money using writing and communication skills, whether that's being self-employed or working with clients or being a social media writer or a ghostwriter or a writer or a copywriter or working for a company or, you know, self-publishing your own books. I mean it's it's almost endless what you can do if you love writing. So this idea that there's no money in it is just simply false. It's it's mm. a myth. There absolutely are plenty of ways to make money if it's something you want to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit now about your new book. What inspired you to start writing this book?
1: What inspired me was a really terrible experience, actually. (laughs) Um, So the the book is called You're Going to Survive. (laughs) And the original inspiration for the book was uh, a couple of years ago I helped my partner Brandon who's a chef mm-hmm. to start a restaurant we opened a restaurant together and it was incredibly hard work it was you know long hours really stressful very physically tiring we worked so hard to get this thing going and mm-hmm. and I was running you know my my own business as a writer alongside all of this so I was kind of working you know double time mm-hmm. and you know we we got it up and running and, and things were starting to kind of fall into place. We had a little trickle of customers. It was really exciting. And then we got our very first really, really bad review.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I think you probably have this in Australia as well. Do you have Yelp
0: there? Yeah, we do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we got a really nasty Yelp review and I was just, Kind of devastated mm-hmm. over it. It was, you know, as as much as I tried to, you know, be calm and breathe and not take it personally. Uh, the fact is, like, it really it hurt. You know, it, yeah. it's not it's not fun <laughs> to yeah. see uh, to see someone really rip, in those early stages when you're when you're, you know, it's like everything is on the line. So after that experience, I, I had a couple of days where I just felt really depressed, and I. I about it. And I, I started to feel like, you know, I, I really need some help, like some new tools to deal with stressful situations like this, because I'm not handling this very well, (laughs) to be honest. And so I started reaching out to friends and to loved ones and colleagues from all kinds of different careers and industries. And I started asking them, you know, do you have any advice for me or do you have a story about a time when you went through something really difficult in your career, you know, whether it's a review or something totally different Mm. and what happened and how did you get through it? And, you know, what do you do to get through a difficult day? Mm -hmm. And my friends just opened their hearts up to me and it was so touching to see all of these different kinds of stories um, come to me on the phone via email Every single person that I reached out to was like, oh, my God, I have a story for you. Everyone yeah. had been through. And as the weeks went on, I, I pretty quickly began to feel like, you know, I, I think this is a book. I think this needs to be captured in a book somehow, because I know I'm not the only person who yeah. would <laughs> would feel comforted by hearing these stories and this and this advice. So. I started to put together a book and I released it originally as an ebook that I self-published myself. Mm -hmm. And then I put together a book proposal and then I reached out to publishers. And then after about 27 rejections, I got a publishing deal (laughs) for the book and yay, yeah. Um, I survived (laughs) that process. Mm -hmm. And now the book is coming out very soon. I think it'll be officially out on December 15th of this year, which is super exciting. So that's the, the story of how it all started.
0: That's amazing. And so what's one of the greatest things that you learned about yourself in listening to these people's stories and then collating the book and writing it?
1: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think that when, when stressful things happen in our career, whether it's something that happens to you or it's a mistake that you've made, you know, maybe a mistake with a client, you let them down or you made a stupid financial decision or whatever, you know, when we're going through something tough... It's so easy to feel very, very isolated. Mm. Maybe you feel ashamed, maybe you don't want to tell anyone what you're going through. Maybe you feel like everyone else's life is perfect, but you're a flaming <laughs> garbage pile. you know it's it's easy to fall into that place of like, oh my God, I'm a disaster, I'm a disaster. everyone else is great, but I'm a mess. Mm. And the biggest realization for me in creating this book was that's just not true. You know, mm. if you look around the city around you, Every single person is going through something. Mm -hmm. Everyone has rough days and great days, and everyone has shame and stress, and we're all just doing our best to get through this life, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's very, I find it very comforting to remember that every career has its ups and downs, and even the people who may appear to sort of have everything all together, they struggle too, you know? We Mm -hmm. all struggle. And we can all survive. You know, the, the things that feel so horrible in our careers are usually not fatal. You know, we're, we're going, you can get through it, you can march forward. And a couple years from now, you know, this will just be a distant memory, whatever it is that you're struggling with.
0: Mm. Why do you think that we kind of conceal what we're feeling and don't want to share it when we are going through those tough times, especially in business? I find it's that kind of fine line where. You can't necessarily talk about your problems openly in an open market because it could, you know, not talking to the right person. It might not be seen as professional. So why do you do you think that there is a fine line there? Is there an approach that you take or what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, you know, I think when you're, this is just my personal feeling, but I think when you're like really going through it, like the, whatever it is, the situation, the disaster is still happening. Mm -hmm. I think that's when you want to go to people that you really love and trust. Mm -hmm. Maybe not necessarily, you know, your clients or social media audience, but like your mom, your dad, your best friend, your partner, um, you know, your yoga teacher, your therapist, the people who are really part of your inner circle Mm -hmm. and you want to open up to them. right because they're going to give you the unconditional love and the support that you need to get through it Maybe later, once you've sort of come out the other side and you've had some time to calm down and you've been able to take away some lessons from the experience that you went through, mm. then perhaps it's the time to go public with that story if you want to. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that every story needs to be shared publicly. Yeah, but course. if if you have yeah. been through a challenge and you've learned something and you've grown and you feel that perhaps others might benefit from hearing your story, then by all means share it, but Mm. perhaps wait to share it until you've sort of arrived at least somewhat on the other side of it. I think that that can, you know, keep your professional reputation intact. Mm. And if anything, just magnetize, you know, more clients and customers to you because they'll be so moved by the story that you've shared and, and the honesty that you are willing to bring forth.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful advice. And I think it's just a reminder for us all to know that we don't have to go through this life by ourselves. Like we are in this together and people are there. And I think just in that expressing what you're going through, just even saying it out loud to someone else sometimes just makes the problem smaller. Like even if it is a large problem, I'm not saying that's going to make it go away, but it does help to just express what you're feeling. So you don't add further fuel to the fire, marinating on all these terrible things in your mind?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are people who want to listen. There are people who want to help. And, you know, even like a friend, if you, if you open up to a friend and say, you know what, I'm really having a difficult time. I could really use a friend right now. Mm. Most likely they will be so touched that you trust them enough to even ask for that. And they will be so happy to be there for you. It's, it's almost like you're giving them a gift. You're giving them an opportunity to to really be a friend and have a deep relationship. So it's, uh, it's a good thing, you mm-hmm. know, to open up to people when you're going through something rough, for sure.
0: Yeah, totally let's talk a little bit about rejection. So you mentioned 27 rejections for this particular book, but I know, you know, in reading your other writing as well, that you've been through other rejections in life. So how have you, how do you approach these situations now? So rejection is just part of life, right? That's, we
1: sort of all know that intellectually, you know, you're, you're not going to get every job that you apply for. You're not going to get your book published on the first try, probably, (laughs) you know, rejection is, is part of life. So I try to remind myself of that. And, you know, the other thing too, is, with, with the book, for example, you know, I, I emailed um, my last publisher and they said, you know, no, thank you. This isn't right for us. Mm-hmm. I emailed my former literary agent. She said, I like your concept, but I'm retiring, so I can't help you. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, I emailed, you know, several other people that I sort of had a connection with. They weren't interested either. Um, like I mentioned, you know, by, by the end of the road, I, I think it took about 27 tries you know 27 Mm -hmm. proposals pitches before I found a publisher who was interested so around the 20th or 21st I definitely started to feel a bit discouraged you know who wouldn't right I I felt kind of like you know is this just a dumb idea is is how long is this going to take before Mm -hmm. I find someone who says yes I also started to kind of consider like am I being too limited in my thinking? You know, maybe I should just stick with self publishing this new edition. Like maybe I don't even need a publisher. Why, am why am I so committed to this path? So yeah. there was a lot of wavering and ups and downs, but ultimately I, I just felt, I felt really strongly. And this may sound like egotistical, but I don't mean it that way that there are people who need to read this book. Mm-hmm. And because I know how deeply the stories impacted me and I just felt like, you know, there's someone out there having a horrible day who needs to read this book. Yeah. So I, re- I really let that kind of fuel me and motivate me to send out those additional six or seven emails. And lo and behold, that's all it took, you know, to, Mm. to then find someone who was interested in publishing it. And, and I am ultimately happy that I, that I found a new publisher and they're so excited about this project. They've been wonderful throughout the process because it opens up, you know, a few additional doors for me. It means that I'll get bigger distribution in different bookstores and, Mm. and that's all tied into my mission of getting this book into people's hands, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it, it did work out, but you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of what it is. You know, when you have a mission and you're getting rejected, 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 you have to circle back to why am I doing this? Mm, You know, why why am I doing this? So that you can connect to a reason that is bigger than just you and just your individual career because that's what you need. Like that's the emotional fuel that will help you to keep marching even in the face of rejection.
0: Mm. What would you say to people who maybe have kind of gone down that path of seeking out a publisher and haven't been successful. And maybe they have gone through, you know, quite a lot of attempts. Do you feel that there is such thing as timing that comes into play? Or do you think there are other factors that, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be published at that time, even?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the whole publishing industry is so interesting. I mean, really, at the end of the day, uh, a publishing company is a business, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking for books that they believe will have a good chance of being financially successful. Because when a publisher takes you on, it's they're essentially investing in you and trusting that your project, your book, is going to sell and is going to be a wise investment for them right so it may sound cold and calculating but it's not really i mean they're they're just trying to keep their doors open and stay in business like any other business mm. so you know if you've been trying to get a project published and it has you haven't been successful in finding a publisher you know my feeling is we live in this incredible era right now where there really are no barriers if, if you want to put a book or a podcast or a video series or any kind of art project into the world there really are no gatekeepers anymore you know mm-hmm. there you can always find some way of getting your project out there. Self publishing is an option for sure. Um, you know you can go on your Word document, you can go file, print, save as PDF, upload it to your blog boom, you're done you know it can it can literally be that simple so mm-hmm. if, for anyone out there who is feeling discouraged, I would say. You know, rather than waiting for for months or years to find a publisher, just get your stuff out there. Mm -hmm. You know, take that first step to at least get your work seen and out into the world. You can always circle back to publishers later with another project in the future. But, like, don't just sit on your project and and not let it... Get seen and do something to get it out there. It's also great to remember that you know many highly successful books that have been picked up by publishers began as self-published projects. Mm. Uh, I think the I think the Tales of Peter Rabbit is an mm. example of that, and The Joy of Cooking, I believe, was self-published originally. One of the most famous cookbooks in the world, I think Fifty Shades of Grey was self-published yeah, originally. Yeah, so you can Google yeah. examples of books that began as just a personal project that then flourished into something bigger because that author was willing to just put their stuff out there rather than sitting on it or, or stuffing it into a drawer in their desk, right? Mm-hmm. So oh. yeah share your work, get it out there. You know, if a publishing deal, you know, is, if it's something you really, 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 really want, um, for whatever reason it is creatable, it may take some time. Um, but in the meantime, just keep writing and sharing. That's mm-hmm. the best thing to do in my opinion.
0: And what's your writing process like? Do you have moments where you just sit down and you just feel like you can't get anything out or do you have a particular process that helps you get into it? What's, what's it like for you?
1: That's a great question. So, I I do kind of, I guess you could say, two different types of writing mm-hmm. in that I have my own writing, my own books and stories and articles, etc., which are usually but not always born out of, like, that happened to me. Yeah. But then I also have the writing that I do for clients. So, with clients, um, <laughs> I, I don't really have writer's block because I have deadlines and I need to get paid. <laughs> so yes. I, uh, and, and also because at this point in my career, uh, I'm so blessed with clients who are working on projects that I'm genuinely just so excited about. So I, I can't wait to, to work on the stuff. So that, that usually goes pretty easily. Um, a challenge for me is sometimes shifting gears from one to the other. So if mm-hmm. I've been working on client-related projects for the last five days, and now I want to work on a novel, mm-hmm. sometimes I need to kind of take a day to sort of shift my brain. And that might entail going for a walk, taking an amazing yoga class, listening to music, kind of get filling my inspiration tank again. Mm-hmm. And then I really like to set up Uh, as much as possible, a really beautiful writing environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, making my bed, getting the dishes out of the sink, lighting a candle, having some flowers, I mean, just really simple stuff. But for me, setting that kind of environment makes writing so much easier and just Mm -hmm. helps everything to flow so much better. Music is also a huge thing for me. I'm, I'm listening on my Headset, which you can see right now. Yeah. Uh, I, lis- I listen to music literally almost all day long, and I'm always discovering new playlists that I love and making playlists that I love. So yeah, the combination of a beautiful environment uh, that's tidy, great music, coffee. <laughs> those those are the basic things that I need uh, in order to write. Oh, and also I, I recently, I, it's actually, you can't see it, but it's underneath my laptop right now. Mm-hmm. I got a standing desk so that oh, I yeah. can actually elevate my laptop and I can write while standing up. So I do that almost all day long and I like it so much more than just sitting in an office chair. Yeah. It feels much better for my body. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Amazing. How long have you been doing that for? It's been about a year,
1: I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. I... I got it because I noticed when I would fly home to visit my parents in their house, they had this kind of tall kitchen counter Mm -hmm. and I would somehow always just end up putting my laptop there and typing there. And it was sort of the perfect height to stand and type. And I just realized that at the end of the day... I felt so much better. I just had more energy. I didn't feel so slumpy. My posture seemed better. And so then I I got a standing desk and it was only like 30 or $40 US Mm. and I've just totally fallen in love with it. I talk about it constantly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they they are uh, becoming more and more popular. And I know I had a client once who manufactured them and I had to write some copy. Oh really? Yeah. So (laughs) I kind of learned all about it and like there's major health benefits and it changes like, you know, your blood through the way you hold your posture. And yeah, so it's interesting to hear that, you know, you have also noticed a difference. I
1: have the next thing I need to figure out is some way that I can have the standing desk with my microphone and be able to stand and do podcasts (laughs) because I I don't have quite the right configuration for that yet. But that'll be next.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you'll need to get like one of those taller stand up um, mics, because mm-hmm. I think we have the same mic. I can kind of see yours now a little bit, but um, yeah, you might have to or rig it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's got to be a way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me what is it that you love about words?
1: Ooh, so that's such a beautiful question. Mm. I think that what I love about words and writing is that, you know, and everyone it's a skill that everyone has you know you may not consider yourself to be you know a writer with a capital w but mm. we all write like we write texts we write emails we write you know we write all the time we all have this ability to take a thought and put it into words and what's so powerful to me about writing is that it's one of the most Simple and direct ways to make a difference in someone else's day. Mm -hmm. You know, just by sending a text that says, I love you, or I've been thinking about you, or are you doing okay? I, I know you've been going through a rough time, or did you know that you're amazing? I mean, with literally just four words or three words in a text message, you can change the way that someone feels. I mean, think about that. Like, that's that's amazing. You you wiggle your fingers, you put some words in a row yeah. and you can change some day. So that's that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And we all have that ability should we choose to use it. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to write a book necessarily and you don't have to become a professional writer. And you you know, you can write purely for your own pleasure and enjoyment and you can just write emails or postcards or letters or texts. And that's amazing. But we all have this ability to use words to leave other people in better condition than we found them. And Mm. I think that's amazing.
0: Yeah, it is such a beautiful thing. And this actually just popped to mind that I thought I'll just share with you and everyone listening. You recently sent out an email about social media and how, and you calculated how much time you used to spend on social media. And it ended up being something like 3.5 years, I think in your whole lifetime. Yeah.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And when I got this email now I'm a bit on and off with social media. I kind of like it for a little bit and then I move away from it and I, I don't find it addictive, but sometimes I just, I look at life in a bigger picture and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending my time here? And so I got your email and it obviously got me at a specific time because it hit home so hard. I was like, oh my God, 3.5 years. Like how many hours have I been spending so far? And, um, and I forwarded it to a friend as well and she read it and she actually, I didn't know this until she wrote a blog about it, but she was very moved by, I know she told me that much as she's thought, I'm going to look at how I'm utilizing social media throughout my day. She's also a writer. And so, and then two weeks later, she wrote a blog post about it and how it had transformed her life and how it transformed her, the way that she works and how she has more energy and Mm. all these different things. And I thought, isn't that beautiful? You know, like you just wrote this email that you felt to share. It moved me. And then I sent it to someone else. It moved someone else and it had an impact. And I think what you're saying is so correct. You know, words have the power to move people and they can be so simple. And I think we forget that we can have an impact on it on the world, but it doesn't have to be on a grand scale. It just starts, you know, through each individual.
1: Thank you for sharing that story. And it's so true. I mean, a, a blog post, an email, a text, these relatively small writing projects can actually have such a big ripple effect, often a ripple that we're not even aware of. You know, you, you may not know the full impact of a single to a friend. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a beautiful thing, you know, that we all have the ability to create that
0: positive ripple in the world. Mm, absolutely so before we finish off I've just got some signature questions for you yes okay (laughs) so if you weren't in your current career what would you like to attempt
1: Ooh, I would be a hairstylist or a fitness trainer
0: okay awesome or both both. (laughs) you could totally (laughs) amazing and tell me what do you believe is your greatest asset Ooh, my greatest asset. Hmm. I would say
1: that is such a great question. I would say my, I'm very, very encouraging. I think that when people meet me, I tend to leave them feeling like you can do it, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And that's such a beautiful quality. Definitely. Okay. What are you afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of so many things.
1: I'm afraid of, uh, airplanes crashing. Every time I fly in a plane, I'm terrified and I have to like press my acupuncture pressure points to calm down. (laughs) Um, I'm afraid of, of violence, of guns, of terrorism, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in today's world. Um, I try not to let that stop me from doing anything that I want to do, but the the anxiety is, is quietly there in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm also afraid, I mean, if we're getting really real, um, I, I definitely have a perfectionistic streak. I I want to be perceived as excellent. Mm -hmm. And when I feel that I've let myself or someone else down, I feel afraid that they won't love me anymore, that I'll be sort of, you know, ostracized. And I think in a quiet way, that's the biggest fear of my life. And it's something that I'm, I'm trying to work
0: on it's It's, a big one it's so nice of you to share that because I think so many people can relate I know I've gone through like certain situations where things aren't going right and I look at you know take it back and look at the picture and I'm like what is the real thing that I'm afraid of here and it does it comes back to either not not being loved so that can come in the form of rejection or, you know, whatever things falling apart and how people perceive you. And at the core of it is, you know, everyone just wants to feel love and be loved. And yeah. So thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's huge.
1: I mean, I went through an experience really recently, like earlier this week where my, my partner and I are thinking about buying a house together. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I feel like I'm not ready. I need to save more money. I need another year to kind of prepare for this big change. Whereas Mm -hmm. he's like, no, let's do it. Let's do it right now. And, and I really had so much anxiety about just the whole process. And when it really boiled down to the essence, it was like, if I don't do this with him, he will hate me and not love me. And like, Mm. that was like the crippling fear coming up again and again and again. And finally, I I just said that to him. I just Mm. said like, this is my greatest fear. (laughs) And, and he just sort of looked at me and said, you're ridiculous. I love you forever. Like, it's just a house, you know? And, um, but it was, it was amazing how anxious I felt until I just, said it, you know, and, and then finally it's like, it was a huge burden off my shoulders to just say the truth about what I was feeling, even though I knew what I was feeling was sort of irrational and yeah.
0: ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say that. I feel like my recent lessons have been around that to really just say what I'm feeling. Cause a lot of the time, you know, what you're feeling is kind of, sometimes it's silly and sometimes, you know, it's not really true, but it's how you feel. And yeah, to just say that to someone, because a lot of the time, you know, you hold a different energy within you when you've got that in there and you're like, no, nope, everything's fine. And you're trying to... Right. Like- <laughs> And you're like doesn't look fine. Um, I know and you're not fooling anybody. Like the people who know you are like what what is up with you? Like <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Totally like no, I'm totally normal. Um yeah, so and then so I've been noticing the power of those moments where like yourself I actually just say what it is regardless of how silly it is and the connection changes immediately and you know I feel better and then I think it deepens relationships and it just creates such a more honest space to communicate with other people in yeah
1: totally yeah, yeah.
0: okay truth to be so sorry, but it's so good yeah absolutely yeah okay my last question for you is is there a piece of wisdom that you've been passed down that you live by
1: Woo! yeah. From my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom is a great hero of mine. My dad is too. And my mom is one of those people who has a really special way of always balancing work and life and work and play. And Mm -hmm. you know, she just is one of those people who, even though she's accomplished amazing things in her life, she's like never too busy to have a cup of tea. You know what I mean? And, uh, one thing that she told me when I was a teenager, actually, that I've never forgotten, um, as a teenager, even more so than today, I was very perfectionistic, very hard on myself. I studied like a maniac, you know, I I wanted to be perfect Mm -hmm. and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And my mom, uh, one time said to me like, Hey, skip school tomorrow. Let's go to the beach. And I was like, are you crazy? I have a math test. Like I couldn't possibly, but if you're the worst mom. Why are you saying? And 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 she, she said it because she could see that I, I needed a break, you mm. know? And what she said to me is, when you think you're too busy to possibly take a break, mm. that's when you need a break most of all. Mm. And I've never forgotten that. And I, I really try to remember that, especially during weeks when I've got you know, a million deadlines and projects due, and, and everything just feels like so much. And I feel like I couldn't possibly stop to go to a yoga class. I couldn't possibly stop to have lunch. You know, I've got to keep working. I've got to keep working. I remember that message from my mom. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, this is the moment when I need to stop and breathe more than anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, thanks, mom.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thanks,
0: mom. That's a good <laughs> one. It's definitely, definitely something that we can all practice more in our lives. Yeah. Well, um, before we finish up, where would you like to send people to pre-order a copy of your book?
1: book so you can go to my website alexandra.com there's a tab called I think books or shop or something like that I <laughs> should <to> probably remember <laughs> and you can find it there you can also uh, if you just google you're going to survive or you're going to survive book you'll probably see it pop up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Books A Million and IndieBound and there's probably some other retailers in Australia that I don't even know about but it's probably there yeah. <laughs> so you can you can find it all around on the internet and And I actually am not sure if it'll be in bookstores in
0: Australia. I'm guessing probably just the US, but you can definitely get it online. So check it out. Thank you. No problem. And I'll include all the links in the show notes as well. So everyone can check, check it out and also check out more of your writing work on your website too. And I highly recommend subscribing to your newsletter. It's worthwhile. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. I I enjoy making my newsletter very much. They are the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for your time today it was such a pleasure chatting with you so much fun thanks for having me